growing in God's Word, and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. I would venture to say more and more as our children move into their teenage years, there comes a point where they feel like their parents just are not listening to them. And of course, we could flip it around, couldn't we? We could ask parents if there's ever a time when they feel like they're trying to talk to their children and their children are not listening to them. But what about God? Do you ever feel like there are times when you're talking to God and He's not listening? Prayer. Virtually everyone believes in it, in one form or another. But what does it take to see our prayers answered? Are there things that we can do to more fully ensure that God does hear us when we pray, that God does listen to us when we pray? Are there some things that we can do in our life that increase the probability of that? Hello, and welcome to Crosswalk. Today, as we continue in our series, The Am I Series, we're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 15, which have to do with our prayer life and the will of God. All of us want to think that God hears our prayers, but what exactly does that mean? God willingly receives our prayers when we willingly receive God's will. Pastor Clay is going to help us to understand the importance of praying according to God's will and the confidence we can have when we do. Now here's Pastor Clay. look at a brief passage of scripture today and discuss a few things. And I want to start by asking uh, kids a question, children that are in here today, if you guys are listening to me. Children, uh, kids, do you ever, do you ever have, is there ever a time when you feel like you're talking to your parents, you're trying to tell them something and you feel like they're not listening? Do you ever feel like you're trying to say something and your parents are not listening to you Now, if your parents are in here with you, you, you may be a little hesitant to answer that uh, question. But, but probably at some time or another, and I would, I would venture to say more and more as our children move into their teenage years, uh, they, there comes a point where they feel like their parents just are not listening to them. And, of course, we could flip the question around, couldn't we? We could ask parents if there's ever a time when they feel like they're trying to talk to their children and their children are not listening to them, and most parents would not hesitate to answer that uh, question. But what about God? What about asking God a question? What about talking to God? Do you ever feel like there are times when you're talking to God and He's not listening. Now, I know we're in church, and so, you know, nobody would dare say, you know, no, no, God's, God's always listening. Uh, you know, we've we got to say the right thing. But do you ever feel like there's times when you're trying to talk, you're trying to pray, you're trying to communicate with God, and you're wondering whether He's hearing you or whether He's even listening to you? And are there, are there things that we can do to more fully ensure that God does hear us when we pray, that God does listen to us when we pray? Are there some things that we can do in our life that increase the probability of that? That may sound like a strange question, but over the next couple of weeks, over this week and next week, we're going to address some of that. If you brought a copy of God's Word with you today, open it to 1 John chapter 5. 
We're in the MI series. We're walking through the, the first letter, John's first letter to the church, First John, not his gospel letter, not the gospel account of John, but First John. And we're looking at that passage, that, that letter, and we're discovering that, that John has a lot to say about, if I'm a follower of Jesus, here's what my life will or should look like. Today, just two verses. First John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. The text is on the screen, of course, as well. I want to read it to you this morning. You hear? You're, you're here? Do you hear? Nobody asked me whether there were ever times when I feel like the congregation is not listening to me when I'm... <laughs> I don't know who that was. Somebody said, huh? <laughs> nice. First John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. Now, now listen to this, because it, this almost kind of comes out of nowhere all of a sudden. This is the confidence which we have. Now, it's not on the screen, but, but let, me just, let me just start this by reminding you that in verse 13, which was part of the text we looked at last week, he finishes with this, and we, we're writing these things so that you can know you have eternal life. For those that believe in you, know you have eternal life. So all that, that's what his whole letter was about. And so then he's jumping off of that into verse 14. This is the confidence which we have before him. If we know we have this eternal life, so here's the confidence we can have. That if we ask anything... According to his will, he, what? Hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. I'm going to read it again because it's just two verses, and I want you to read it out loud with me this morning. This is the confidence, come on, out loud. This is the confidence which we have before him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. So, as I've done the last uh, week or two, Kind of on a little bit of a roll right now with it. I want to give you again this week a BP squared, a big picture biblical principle. It's just two verses. And the, the BP squared, the big picture biblical principle for 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 is this. God willingly receives our prayers when we willingly receive God's will. Would you say that out loud with me, please? God willingly receives our prayers when we willingly receive his God's will will. First John chapter 5 verse 14 and 15. John, as I said a moment, it almost comes out of nowhere. He jumps into this subject of prayer. And I believe this is the first time in the entire letter that he's mentioned prayer for the most part or, or spoken or addressed it. And so it may seem a little odd that suddenly John jumps into this thing about prayer. But remember, John's coming to the end of this letter. There's only five chapters in it as we know it. He's drawing to the end of it. And as he's coming to the end of it, the Spirit of God leads John to move to or to address a subject that is simple and yet critical for our lives. And that is the subject of prayer, communicating, talking with God. Speaking of prayer, uh, right after the first of the year, we're going to kick off a brand new series at, at Cross Culture on prayer entitled Pray 18. 
Pray 18. It's not going to be a long series. I'll be honest with you. It's not going to be a long series, but it is going to be a critical series for the life of Cross Culture Church. And I hope that you will plan to be here and that you will plan to participate uh, in this series on uh, prayer uh, shortly after the first of the year. Uh, Pray 18. We'll be looking at that. But here in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, uh, we jump into this thing where uh, John begins to talk about uh, prayer and about uh, this prayer that should be in our life and how we should uh, pray. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this, that, that there's, there's four components or four ingredients that are necessary for our prayers to know that those prayers are are in God's will and that God does receive them. So, but, but we're not going to get to that today, okay? That'll be next week. Today we're just, just dealing with just this idea as we jump into it about this, this call uh, to, to pray or, or, or this need for prayer in our lives. John says, This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, God is God, right? I mean, God is God. He, he hears everything, right? So we understand that God hears everything. But what John means when he says that God hears certain prayers, and that's clearly what he's implicating here, that there are certain prayers that he hears and certain prayers that he doesn't hear, what John is saying is that there, there are prayers that God receives, and there are prayers, apparently, that God does not receive. Now, he's God. He, he hears everything, but there are prayers that, that are, when they are in his will, those prayers are received. God receives them. He can respond to them because they are in his will. It, it's it's kind of like this, kids. Think of it this way. Let's say that you are seven or eight years old, or 12 or 15. And for Christmas, you ask your parents for a, uh, the, the, uh, their permission for you to take a solo backpacking trip through Latin America with stops in Mexico City and Bogota, Medellin, and uh, Rio de Janeiro, to name a few. Nothing against those cities, nothing against Latin America in general. And excuse my language, but you ain't going on that trip. You, you're not, you're not going on. The, and listen, you can write it on your Christmas list till your hand is sore and you can stick it on the refrigerator where they can't miss it every time they go for the milk or the juice or the whatever they're, they're going for. They can't miss it. You can text it every day to your parents with all kinds of emoji, smiley faces and love kisses on it and whatever you want. You can beg, you can plead, you can do whatever you want, but they are not hearing that request. Do you understand? Oh, they, they hear you. They're hearing it, but they're not going to receive it. Why? Because what you're asking is not in their will for your life. Because they understand that what you're asking is not best for your life. As your parents, they understand that. You may not understand it. You may not like it. You may pitch a fit about it. But they're not receiving that prayer. Okay? So, if it's, if, it's, if it's God we're talking about, and if it's talking about praying in God's will, 
if what you're asking for as, as a heavenly parent, to kind of use that analogy, if what you're asking for, if God in his wisdom and sovereignty know that what you're asking, whether it's for you, whether it's for somebody else, whether it's whatever it is, if God in his sovereignty knows that what you're asking for is not in the best interests of his, his plans and purposes for your life, yes, he hears you, but he's not going to receive that prayer from you. Which then might tempt some of you to think, well, what's the point then? What's the point in even praying? If it's God's will, isn't it going to be done anyway? Come on, some of y'all were already thinking that, weren't you? What's the point in even praying? You just said if it's God's will, he'll hear it. Well, it's God's will. And if it's not God's will, he's not going to hear it. So what's the point in even praying? If it's God's will, isn't it going to be done anyway? (laughs) I don't want to get too bogged down in this. Because this is one of those subjects that we could talk about from now until Jesus comes and never cover all of it. Okay? But I need to address it because I have heard this a lot through the years. I have heard plenty of people say, well, if it's God's will, it'll be done. Maybe some of you. Well, if it's, well, if it's God's will, it, it'll be done. Listen, this may make you nervous to hear me say this, and I'm happy to talk with anybody about it. But just, just throwing out this idea, this flippant approach to life, well, if it's God's will, it'll be done. I believe that not only is that harmful, but it's, not only is it, is it bad for life, it's, it's bad theology. Stay with me and let me explain why. Children, stay with me. Y'all with me? I need to say that. I need to talk about this kind of, this stuff in here because we're talking about God's will and answered prayer and everybody wants their prayers answered. Anybody here doesn't want their prayers answered? Well, I sure hope God doesn't answer my prayer when I ask for this, right? No. So I need, so I need to address this. This idea that, well, if it's, God, if it's God's will, it'll, it'll be done. Let me tell you why I do not believe that is the case. First off, it does make your prayers worthless. It makes your prayers null and void. If everything that ever happens in this world is God's will, and it's always going to be God's will, every single thing that ever happens that happens in the world is always God's will. Now stay with me. If every single thing that ever happens in this world is God's will, then nothing you pray about will make any difference at all and can make any difference at all because it's already God's will. God's already determined if something's going to happen, it's going to happen. And so it's God's will that it, that it happened. And so it makes your prayers essentially worthless. I know somebody would say, well, it's about obedience. God tells you to pray, so you should pray. I'm just telling you, it makes your prayers of no consequence. And yet, James in James 5:16 says this. So confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that in order that you may be healed, which seems to be implying that if you're if you're not if you don't confess some sin in this context he's dealing with with some type of illness or thing that is directly related to a sinful action if you don't confess it and you don't pray for one another, the implication seems to be that you, you're not going to be healed. So confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great effectiveness. Well, no, it doesn't. 
Not if everything that happens is God's will. Not if everything that has ever happened or will ever happen in this world is already uh, determined and God has already laid out his will and it's already uh, done, then, then a righteous person's prayer has no effectiveness to it at all because God's will is all that matters and God's will is all that's done. It makes your prayers of little consequence. Second, second, I don't believe it's biblical to say that God's will is always done. For instance, in Genesis chapter 3, God willed that Adam and Eve not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But they did. God willed one thing. They chose another thing. In Numbers chapter 13, God willed that the Israelites go straight into the promised land after he had delivered them out of captivity in Egypt. But they failed to trust God. They refused to trust God and believe God. And so they became fearful and said, oh, we could never defeat the giants in that land. And so they didn't go straight in. And it would be 40 years before they go in. God willed one thing. They chose another thing. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, the, the people came to the prophet Samuel and demanded that he anoint an earthly king for them like all the other nations had. They wanted a king just like all those other nations have. We want a king. We want to have a, a king. When God had said that he would be their king. And, and, and in First Samuel there in, in chapter 8, God tells Samuel, he says, Samuel, listen to the people. Go ahead and do what they're asking you to do. And in verse 7, I'm quoting God here when he says, they have not rejected you, talking to Samuel, they've not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. God chose, willed one thing, they chose another thing. Listen, we, we, could, we could go on and on. Uh, God, God willed that Jonah go to Tarsus. Jonah got on a ship and went in the opposite direction. Jesus, God in the flesh, said this in Matthew chapter 23. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I want it, a.k.a. how often I will to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. So all I'm saying to you about this, and we'll get to the point here in a second, but all I'm saying to you about this is that the next time you're te tempted to just casually throw out there, well, if it's God's will, it'll be done. Maybe you better just stop and take a deep breath and think about that one for a moment. Now, here's how I would choose to say it. Here's what I believe is a biblical way to look at it. God's will may not always be done. And by the way, as long as we're on the subject of God's will, it's God's will that, that you not be angry unjustly. It's God's will that you not steal or lie or, or get drunk or, or covet this or, or, or chase money. Or would, would anybody really sit here and say God's will is always done? I would say God's will may not always done, be done, but God's purposes, plans, and promises are always fulfilled. God may will things in people's lives and they may choose something else, but God's purposes, plans, and promises are always fulfilled. And I say that, and I say all of that to come to this point. Your prayers matter. Your prayers matter. They're not an exercise in futility. Our prayers matter to God. Our prayers have some effectiveness in this world, in people's lives, and in, in the work that God is doing in this kingdom work. He has this thing. Your prayers make a difference 
in this world. So we should want to pray. It's not for nothing. It's not, well, what's the point? There is a point to it. There is a validity to it. There is a desire that God has for you to pray, and he uses those prayers when those prayers are according to his will. I know we, we still got to get to that, and we'll get to that really more next week, but the point is your prayers matter. In fact, again, the Apostle James in chapter 4 regarding something to do with prayer says this, you do not have because you do not ask. I I would suggest that that is strongly implying that there are things that God desires to give us or do in and through us that are not happening for the simple fact that we're not asking. So your prayers matter. God willingly receives our prayers when we willingly receive his will. Listen, now you might be tempted after all of that and dealing with, you know, if it's God's will, it'll be done and and trying to deal with that, you might be tempted to say then, well, you're saying God is out of control. You're saying God's not in control. Oh, au contraire. I'm saying actually exactly the opposite. I'm saying that God is so in control, that God is so sovereign, that God is so all-knowing and so all-powerful that he can actually allow us to have free will, yes, free will, to choose to disobey him in certain situations and it still not violate his purposes, plans, and promises that he has made. God is so sovereign. He's not, he's not, he's not less sovereign. A lesser God might, might be fearful of giving man free will. A lesser God might say, well, I can't give man free will. He, he's going to muck this whole thing up that I planned. But the God of the Bible is so sovereign and so powerful and so all-knowing that he can actually let you choose to make choices that are not what he would desire for your life, and it still will not, not violate his purposes, plans, and promises. Let me give you some examples. I already gave you some earlier. In Genesis chapter 3, God had willed that, 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 that he create a, a race of people that could know him and, and understand him and appreciate him for all of eternity. And Adam and Eve's rebellion and covetousness was not going to stop his plan. Do you understand? God promised the nation of Israel that he had a special land just for them. He promised them that. And Israel's fears were not going to stop God from fulfilling that promise. God's plan was that he would be king over Israel and over all of the world. And Israel's desire to be like other nations was not going to prohibit God from fulfilling that purpose and that plan that he had. That he would be king over all the world. Which he will. You understand what I'm saying? His will is not always done in our lives, but his purposes, plans, and promises are always fulfilled. God willingly receives our prayers because they matter when we willingly receive God's will for our lives. So again, verse 14, and this is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his, if we ask which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Sorry, got kind of lost in there a moment. This is the confidence that we have. It's a, it's a noun in, in, the, in the Greek parhesia, in the original Greek language. Uh, it's a noun. Uh, the uh, biblical commentary defines it this way, this, this word that's translated confidence. Look, look how they define it. Outspokenness, frankness, unreservedness in speech, plainness, Freely, openly, publicly, 
Courage, assurance, boldness, fearlessness. Now listen, you gotta love that. If you're a prayer person, you gotta love that. Because that means that we can come to God in prayer and we can come confidently and we can come courageously and we can come with every anticipation that he's gonna hear our prayers. We shouldn't come arrogantly. We shouldn't come flippantly. We shouldn't come presumptuously. But we can come confidently to the throne of grace and make our requests known to him, our prayers known to him when we are praying according to his will. I know we still gotta get there. Get to the will. What is the will? What is the will? You gotta come back next week. Bring somebody with you. But this is the confidence that this is, this is the kind of confidence that we have that we can come before God and know that he's never too busy. He's, 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 he's never just not interested. We can confidently, boldly, because of what Christ has done for us, we can come into his presence and know that he hears, that he receives those prayers. And bonus Verse 15, and if and since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. So not only do I know if, I, if, I'm, if I'm praying his will, not only do I know that he's going to hear it, that he's going to receive it, John says, listen, so then we know if he's, if he's hearing it, since he's God, dude, you got it. It's done. It's, it's going to happen. Isn't that right? Right? Is that awesome? That is awesome. That's the promise that we have. That's the importance of prayer in our life. First of the year, we're going to kick off some of that and talk some more about it. But starting with today, just this idea that, man, my prayers matter in the whole scheme of things, in the kingdom, in the people that are around me that are, that are lost and don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. In my own life, my prayers matter when I'm praying according to God's will. Now, like I said, next week we'll get to the four ingredients uh, for praying in God's will. But before we do, there's something I want to uh, clarify before we move on. There are several uh, places in Scripture where uh, Jesus talks about us praying uh, in his name, in his name, right? One of them, for example, being in uh, the Gospel of John, John chapter 14, uh, Jesus says this, And if you ask for anything there it is, in my name, I will do it for you so that the Father's glory will be shown through the Son. If you ask me for anything, here it is again, in my name, I will do it. I just want to clarify uh, before we close this morning so that make sure that you understand that, that speaking a prayer in Jesus' name is not a magical incantation that accomplishes everything that you want. And I know that there are people that teach that, but that's not what Scripture teaches. Tacking on, in Jesus' name, amen, at the end of your prayer is not a magic wand that you wave over it and some pixie dust falls and that thing that you want it is going to magically appear or show up or that, that cancer is going to go away or that Cadillac's going to show up or that whatever. Well, I, I prayed in Jesus' name and he says it right there, ask anything in my name and it will be done. Now listen to me, nothing wrong with praying in Jesus' name, nothing wrong with closing your prayers in Jesus' name. I do most times. But it's not some sort of magical potion that gives you whatever it is that you are asking for. No, what we understand and what, what you learn, the more you study Scripture and the more you learn about prayer and learn about God, is that, that saying that when Jesus says, in my name, that it's the same as, as, as saying, according to my will. 
It's, that's what he's saying. That if you ask anything in my name, if you ask anything according to my will, that's essentially what he's saying. I just want to make sure that you understand that, well, yeah, but, but we can always just, we may not be sure, but, but we can always say in Jesus' name and then that'll do it. No, no. It's always coming back to the will of God in my prayer life. It's always coming back to the will of God. So, this is one of the things we'll address next week. And I have contemplated this long in, in my sermon preparation of this and this, my study of this text. One of my first questions is, well, okay, what about things that I pray that I know have to be in God's will? Why haven't I seen that happen yet? Next Sunday, 10.30 a.m., we'll get to it. But here it is. Boys, girls, children of all ages, your prayers matter to God. They need to be according to His will. We'll talk about what that is. But prayer really does matter. God willingly receives our prayers when we willingly receive His will. As we learn today, our Heavenly Father loves us too much to respond to prayers that are out of His will for our lives. Our prayers matter to God. He wants us to pray to Him, and He wants to respond in a way that is best for us. As Pastor Clay shared in today's message, we shouldn't ever come into God's presence flippantly or arrogantly, but we can come confidently, knowing that He will hear and respond to our prayers when we pray according to His will. We invite you to join us on a Sunday morning at Cross Culture Church. We gather each week in a casual and contemporary atmosphere and celebrate the goodness of our God. Cross Culture may be a little different from what you're thinking. Sure, we're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. A community of believers where Jesus is revealed in the lives of each person. Real people who truly care. Solid biblical teaching from Pastor Clay Stevens and the most energetic, safe, and fun kids program around. Find out more at crossculturelife.org. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church in North Rollins, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.